Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Krista. And I'm Rachel. And this episode, we're going back to shul. School, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it comes out like, I think most kids, depending where you live, are probably back to school. Like, if you're like college semester, you're definitely back there, but yeah, I think this is our first September episode, so it's like mostly like the primary schools are starting, but yeah. that's fine. Yeah, I always feel like the first week of September feels like school to me. I don't know. It's just it's just a vibe. I think that's when you like go back to school shopping at least, because I mean that's true. Like growing up in, in Washington, I think for the most part, like you started maybe like mid September, and then the college we went to was on quarter system, so you start like the last week of September. It's like September twenty second or something like that around there. Mm-hmm. So all your friends are in school, and you're still just doing around so right this was like such a loose topic for us though like usually we try to have like some sort of intention behind it but we were like just school whatever you have it's school related yeah honestly I don't feel like mine's that school related but it was only school when I had so we're gonna go with it I read one that was school related but it was yeah and I didn't like it that much and then like perfect timing I got one from the library that's like a brand new release I think I was like the fourth person on the list or something to get it and so, and it happened to be school and I was like, ah, I'm going to read it. So, and it's like an adult. So it's school, but more from like the adult teacher point of view, which I liked. You know, it's hard to find most of the school ones were y'all. And I was like, I really don't care about these like 13 year old girls in school. That's what this was. The other one that I did, they were like 16, 17, 18 and like this whole clique and they ran the school and like the administration was afraid of them. And like, there was like praying. It was I don't know. I just I mean, would have was, read Gossip Girl if that was the vibe I was going for. Pretty much. That's kind of what it was. It was like Gossip Girl meets something a little darker. But this one was way better anyway. So I'm glad I'm covering this other one. So I read For Your Own Good by Samantha Downing. And I've done one of her books before. She was the um, My Lovely Wife. That's She wrote that one, which we covered. Okay. Like a it was a while ago. ago now. Yeah. Yeah. But either way. So yeah, same author. So this one is set in a, at a, like a private school. It's called Alton Belmont. There you go. Sorry. I'm confusing. So it's Belmont Academy Academy is where it's set. And this is a private school. And like the people who go here are pretty much like the rich, rich, rich kids. Um, Mm. There are scholarship kids, which of course, like we all turn our nose up at scholarship kids and they pretty much like sit in the back. And the main character uh, is Teddy. Teddy Crutcher, Crutcher. Now that I'm looking at it, it's Crutcher, but I called him Crutcher in my head. Whatever. It's different to say it out loud than to read it in your mind. So I get it. Yeah. Uh, so Teddy, so he's like one of our main characters. He's a teacher there. So he calls these scholarship kids the invisibles because they sit in the mean. back. <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of true. So they like sit in the back row, like they try not to like interact or like not make eye contact where like mm-hmm. all of his like the richer kids or whatever are always they don't want to lose their scholarship so they're like I got to like behave yeah exactly I don't don't want to get called out and so Belmont also has a lot of teachers that went to Belmont themselves went off Hmm. got their degrees whatever came back and so they're part of the Belmont family and everyone loves them in the Belmont but Teddy is not really part of the Belmont family he didn't go there like not an alum yeah uh so he like really dislikes all of like that whole thing he like hates all the other not hates but really dislikes all the other teachers because they look down on him basically that he didn't also go to Belmont because he just like didn't have money to go there like oh elitist yeah 
Uh, and he also like I think the book basically starts with like he's like entitlement it just has a stench like you can just smell it on somebody mm-hmm. when they walk into the room and like that's kind of how he thinks and stuff aggressive um, but I get it yeah and so but he also really cares about his students so like everything that he is doing he's like trying to do it for their for their own their own benefit for the good of Thanks. the student and so like he might hold some students to a little bit higher standard and it's not his fault I mean, if the student has been given everything their whole life and never been told no, then of course he has to give them an A minus. They've never had an A minus before. Like, obviously. They need to be taken down a peg. Exactly. And who better to do it than Teddy? Right? It's still an A, okay? Relax. It's for their own good. So the book starts and he has given the student, Zach, a B plus on a paper. Um, and Zach's dad has come in to basically ask Teddy to change the grade. And Teddy is like, would you really want me to like he's like that is so unethical you want me to besmirch the name of belmont academy what if it gets around that we do that there and then zach's dad is like oh no 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 that's not that's not at all what i was saying like and then she's like okay good we're in agreement i'm not going to change the grade and then he like good for her goes out to his car oh teddy's a man Oh, sorry. I always yeah. think I was watching Grey's Anatomy. That's why. Yeah. As soon as you said it, I was like, I know exactly what Teddy yeah, is thinking I'm of. Grey's Anatomy. That's where my brain went. Yeah. Yep, no, yep, good no, for him yeah. though. So Teddy's a man. Um, and so he like walks up to his car and it's like this old sob. And it's like one of like the oldest cars in the like parking lot and stuff. Just like, it's kind of like, you're like setting the scene for who Teddy is. Um, Got it. And then Zach's mom shows up and it's like, Hey, like, sorry, I wasn't able to meet mm. when dad was here. Like I'm a super important lawyer and shit. Um, like the dad works in finance because that's what most of the parents do is they just that's what rich parents do yeah they in quotes work in finance whatever the fuck that (laughs) means um and she's like and teddy's basically like yeah no i already like told him and like retells the whole thing of like we can't change the grade all that and she's like no i totally understand but like maybe you could give him extra credit uh and he's like "Mm, maybe whatever like leave me the hell alone so he goes home and then now we cut over to like Zach's point of view. Basically, for the most part, we go between Teddy, Zach, another teacher, and then every now and then we'll like throw in a couple other random little teachers. Um, but so you kind of just like jump around uh, perspectives, which is kind of really nice. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love that because I feel like you get a more wholesome view of everything that's happening. But then mm-hmm. again, I run into that thing where I'm like, I'm not sure if what the character is telling me is fact or what the character wants you to know that's what always drives me nuts but that's I I do like the perspectives though and I also like this one it'll be like mid chapter it'll like jump perspectives because it'll be like whoever said this and then you go to the other person's perspective so it's like kind of nice you're not having to like wait a whole chapter and like hope you go back in time um so then Zach gets home and his parents are like super pissed off at him that he got this b plus even though he's an a student and they're like, he said that he would give you some more work to do. And he's like, okay, great. Like, this is like the start of the school year. Like, it's pretty, it's like the first semester of the school or whatever. Um, it's like, cool, thanks, guys. Yeah. And so Teddy has, like, devised this plan. Because one, he totally gave him a B plus on purpose. Like, it was an A paper. But Zach needed to be brought down a peg, obviously. Well, so, I feel like grading papers is subjective, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So he like, and he like found reasons. Like he like, it's not like he just like all of a sudden was like B plus. He like. Just wasn't lenient. He was just a critical. Yeah. And would he have been that critical to somebody else? Who knows? Maybe not. We don't know. We don't know what teachers are thinking. Um. So he like basically like devises this plan for what his like 
payback kind of thing is going to be for Zach. So he all he doesn't have any of his classes reading the same book at the same time. One, because he likes to just mix it up. And two, because he does trust them not to cheat. Which is fair, I think. I feel like it would make uh, my life really boring if I was a teacher and every single period you had was reading the same book. Mm-hmm. Like technically there was less work for you, but like you'd have the same conversation over and over again. So I think that's exactly. kind of a brilliant ploy. Yeah. And he pretty much only, he makes them like um, read classics because he's like, when else are they ever going to read a classic? Which fair. It's true. So in this one, and I think this is fourth period. It doesn't really matter what period it is, but in Zach's class, he's like, hey, we're going to do something different like how about you guys I'm gonna let you vote on what book you want to read next love that um and the two of them it's Moby Dick and I think it's like Dracula or something so like big Moby Dick tiny little Dracula and so he like goes around and he's like asking the students like making them like even like picks like one of the invincible invisibles and like makes them pick an opinion on which one they want and then they do secret ballot obviously because he's like well if I have them raise their hand he's like some of them could be swayed into changing their vote based on who else voted I would still change my vote based on who else voted I always look when they like raise your hand and like all right how is everybody else's temperature yeah so he has everybody write it in and he's like he's like for fun he's like I'll read it out loud like I'll pull it out and read them and we'll keep a tally Except, of course, he, like, changes it because almost every single vote is for Dracula. So he, like, makes it, like, a really, really close, tight race. Because it's like, he's like, oh, like, they're literally, like, all the kids are actually, like, paying attention. And he's like, it's super fun. And so he picks, like, he's like, Dracula wins. It's the super short one. And they're all like, what? We actually get to, like, read the super short book? And maybe it's not actually Dracula. I think it's one that, like, there's a chance some of them have already read, but it's, it's basically like a much shorter, much easier book than this big book. Um, but then Teddy goes to Zach and it's like, hey, so like the extra credit your parents were asking about, he's like, I've decided I'm going to do it. Uh, you can do Moby Dick. It's due in a week. Okay, bye. Oh. Yeah. And Zach, of course, has to be like, uh, um, okay, thanks. Great. Lo- love that. choices when it comes to extra credit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then one of the other main characters is Sonia. She's another teacher at Belmont. She also teaches English like Teddy, but she's part of the Belmont family. She went to Belmont Academy in her youth. And, mm. but she also needs like a ton of attention. Like she's a total attention seeker. Um, and so, and like Teddy doesn't like her, like one, because she's part of the family. And then she's just like, like she also cares about her students but he doesn't like the way that she cares or like vocalizes it I don't know Teddy has a lot you can't win them all Teddy come on Teddy's got a lot of opinions (laughs) on a lot of things and so Sonia is supposed to be having her 10-year like they're doing like a whole it's a soiree Mm -hmm. during the daytime a soiree um for the 10 year and Teddy's like super busy because like a couple like months ago a year ago something like that he had his tenure and all they had was like a cake and some coffee in the break room all day and he got his little pin where she's getting like a full blown out party on it i'd be upset too yeah oh and teddy was also voted teacher of the year this last year which is like kind of extra important because then you get was there a party though no he got a plaque yeah no i'd be mad Mm -hmm. like all this stuff and I didn't get a party come on yeah so they are and like a bunch of stuff has kind of happened here but like it all matters later and I don't want to give too much away because it's like so this is the author where like she is so good at having you hanging on going I think this is what's happening is this what's happening 
could it be this other one? So can't give too much away. And also even right. like the blurb on like the inside panel, like the way it like sets up what you think this book is going to be about. And then you read the book and you're like, why did you focus so much on that part? I don't want to, obviously I'm not going to tell you guys what it is, but you focus so much on this like one part in the panel on like, hmm. or like the back of the book blurb type thing. And then it's actually like not that big like in the end it kind of matters but like throughout it I keep being like when is this gonna be important and how is it like mostly just like Teddy's story like working that year like his no, issues so, like what even so I'll just um so like in here like it talks about like I say I can't tell you because it'll ruin it I can't say I'm not going to say it. There's a lot of uh, details that contribute to the big picture. That makes it challenging. I hate that. Yeah. So at Sonia's soiree, um, Ingrid, Ingrid Ross, who is the mother of Courtney, who is like best friends with Zach, uh, she collapses. Mm. And she ends up dead. Oh, my God. So there's a and, murder. Yeah, there's a murder. It, that's the first murder. There's multiple murders. That's the first murder. Okay. I'm and so then you jump to Teddy and he was like, What? She wasn't supposed to be the one to collapse. What? And he's looking around and he's supposed like, supposed to be? Supposed to be. So Teddy knows something. So it's a uh-huh. who done it, but I suspect Teddy already. Yeah. So Teddy knows something. And then he's looking at the coffee pods because everyone has their own little flavor of pod. And he was like, the box is all jumbled. Did people, everybody just took these pods and like dumped them all in. Like, what is happening? But then you jump mm-hmm. to this other teacher, Frank Maxwell, who's like the math teacher and he used to play football or whatever. And he is terrified. He thinks he killed Ingrid. And so you're like, what? Two people were trying to kill people? And like, one of you guys killed the wrong person? So it's like teacher drama. Yeah. And like, Ingrid Ross, who is the mother of Courtney, uh, she's like the head of um, like this t- parent collaboration thing. Cause like the parents work really close with the teachers, blah, 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 fancy mm-hmm. rich private school stuff. So like yeah, she's, to the max. Yeah. And she's like head on show of it. Um, and so, yeah, so that happens. And so now you're like, well, shit, there's like two people who think this. And then the whole time, Sonia is like super butthurt that her party, her soiree has been ruined. Like she had to like go on, like climb on her hands and knees to go find her 10 year pin. Cause like that was interrupted because Ingrid Whoa. had to go die. So you're like, wow, I don't really, I don't care much about you um yeah not liking it and then let's see oh courtney the daughter is so this is kind of all over the place but it's okay that's okay i'm listening Court- i'm invested i'm curious how this goes it's like teacher drama yeah but i'm watching other people's drama courtney the daughter is arrested for her mother's oh. murder yeah so there's like a ton of people who are suspected yeah and so teddy is like because Teddy really liked Courtney. Like, she wasn't, she's not stuck up about being, like, she is rich, but, like, she's not stuck up about it. He also really liked Ingrid because, I mean, she's the head of the committee who got him voted teacher of the year. So, like, obviously he likes I like her. Ingrid, too, yeah. Um, And so he he's like, what? stupid police. Like, obviously it's not Courtney. Duh. And so he, like, goes and, like, has this whole other plan to get Courtney out. Um. And then Sonia ends up dead. You're like, what? Was that? Oh, another murder. Yeah, so there's a second murder. We don't quite know 
And with all these suspects in the air, it's like, what is happening at yeah. the school? And then another student is uh, suspected of that murder. But they were like, because like one student was like bribing it. And then like, but then you'll cut back to like him as class. And he like makes them like read like Dante's Inferno and like the nine rings of hell and everything like that. Because like Dante thought like the only thing like the ninth ring of hell is um, traitors and the eighth ring mm-hmm. is like thieves and people who like bribe people. And But he's saying that specifically mm-hmm. for a student because he like knows a student oh. like, has, has been like bribing people and stuff. And so then the yeah. whole time all of this is happening, um, something's going on with his wife. Like he's still married. He's got his wedding ring, but like he'll be like, oh yeah, like, oh, she wasn't home whatever um like no one sees her must be yeah nobody like nobody's really seen her we haven't we the reader haven't seen her other people may have but we the reader have not seen her and he makes some excuses when she doesn't show up to stuff yeah she's at work or whatever and then she um, left or she did that's what i'm thinking right yeah but then all of a sudden like he comes home and he's like oh she's been here you're like okay but then her stuff's gone and then he like takes over her office at home because it's the nicer home office so you're like is she dead where is he would she? struggle with what this book happening? it's like who's telling me the truth what is going on yeah and then uh yeah. then like this whole other time there's a ex-student named fallon fallon knight so she like made the, the uh poor dis- the poor choice of asking teddy to write her a reference letter to college because apparently needed like three reference letters she wanted to go to all these ivy league that's basically what belmont is supposed to do is like get everyone to an ivy league school that's what rich schools always do yeah and so she had asked teddy to do it but teddy's not like other teachers like a lot of other teachers will give the reference letter to the student teddy does not do that he sends it directly to whoever it's supposed to go to so You're supposed to do that i think because like tampering reasons that's what i always thought too but um but teddy was like kind of convinced that fallon like cheated on some stuff and but he didn't couldn't prove it and so in the letter he basically alluded to the fact that all these things happened and isn't that odd mm. not saying she cheated but like somebody who did cheat on things maybe could have fallon's a girl fallon's a girl okay i just like the name fallon and i've only heard it for girls honestly on like television and stuff yeah just curious so she doesn't get into any Ivy League schools at all. Oh no! She ends up going so to like Teddy. So she ends up going to like a state school or something like oh, that. Her parents basically disown her. I know, right? <gasps> a state school. Uh, but and it takes her like two or three years to figure out like why she never got into an Ivy League, and she somehow ends up like getting the letter. And so she hates him, hates Teddy, and has been sending Teddy all of these emails for years about how stupid he is oh, and how no. much she hates him, and he's a total jackass and all these things. And Teddy just laughs. And so after Sonia dies, Fallon comes back to Belmont as an English teacher to replace her, like has lied about all of her credentials all these things mm-hmm. but now she's like stalking teddy because basically her life mission is to like ruin teddy's life no and so she's like oh no. yeah i'm gonna take it just so i can do that so then also then she's getting all involved and then like there's another murder there's like six poisonings and another murder so like all told there's like three murders like nine people get poisoned it's, so it's like a big convoluted who done it yeah and like all there's a whole bunch of different people who feel all kinds of guilty for all kinds of different stuff and 
Teddy feels like he like has to keep fixing this. Like he's like, and he thinks he's so smart and clever. And Fallon thinks that like she's getting away with all of her like stalking and debauchery. And Zach is very entitled, and everything he does is entitled, and yeah. it bites him in the ass. Sounds right. And yeah, this book was amazing. Literally, the last two pages of the book, you figure out how it ends. And then there's two and a half pages of the epilogue where you get the final wrapped up. Here's what really happened. Wow. So yeah, was that last five pages where you hard to follow with all those different characters? Like this was actually characters. Yeah. She did a really good job of actually helping you follow. I mean, and like she built like the confusion in really well where you're like, this is a lot of people doing shady shit. A lot Mm. of people feel guilt but what is it for? Like, are they feeling guilt because they're the murderer? Are they feeling guilt because- Or something related, yeah. They're an adulterer? Like, why? We don't know. We just know that they're feeling guilty and, mm-hmm. or that like, all of a sudden, like, they've lost a bunch of weight and there's bags under their eyes and you're like, hmm, something's going on with you. I wonder what You're not is. sleeping? I wonder why. Hmm. Yeah. And then randomly you get like sprinkled in like Teddy teaching and you're like, okay whatever um but yeah so five out of five this book was absolutely like mind-blowing amazing um I like I kind of I was like okay I'm pretty sure this is the one who's been murdering but then you're like okay but why and are they gonna get away with it and like how like what is their end game how like is the wife dead I don't know like have we just not seen her like what's the deal yeah, there us the reader a lot ne- of questions yeah us the reader never did but then somebody else was like oh yeah I talked to Allison and you're like but when like what when are you referring like recently? like details ma'am a month ago a year ago and like yeah right? and then like these poisons so now like a bunch of people are researching poisons and so they have all this knowledge about poisoning and you're like did you have that knowledge before the poisons or do you only have it now because you've been Googling poisons? And how do you know? How did you so specifically get to the right poison while Googling? A lot of, Are you working a lot together? Of yeah. Like, mm-hmm. she did good. She did I like real it. good. I really liked it. Highly, highly recommend. Nice. So speaking of poison, you know, that made me think of, I really want to go to one of those like poison gardens they have in like England where everything is freaking poisonous. They're like, don't touch anything. And they're like locked usually. Have you heard of those? Oh, uh-uh. That's I had a book cool. where there was a poison garden in it at one point. I don't remember. It must've been a while ago now, but um, yeah, poison gardens are like a thing where like, you have to grow some of those things somewhere. Like mm-hmm. these plants exist. So they literally just like iron gate, lock in all of the poison. And then you can like take tours. That sounds cool. I think that's super cool. Obviously, like, that's not something I would ever take, like, a child on. Like, definitely probably 18 and older for the poison garden. Yeah. I would say and that, like, least, like, maybe a child who, like, because you know how sometimes kids are just stupidly fascinated about stuff? So, like, right. if it's been, like, three years and they're still obsessed with plants and poisonous plants and they're at an age where I can go, we don't touch, we don't lick, we keep our hands to ourselves. Wear, like, snow gloves. Yeah. Then maybe. Like, maybe then. Yeah. But, but that's what that made me think of. I'm like total side side note, but Poison Garden super cool. Also, your book sounds very interesting. I love it when there's a lot of characters like that, and they do a good job of keeping them cleanly like organized. Mm-hmm. So that's impressive. Yeah, I impressive. don't think at any point I was confused about what was going on or like who like who's like 
because they weren't it was all like third person but I always knew who it was we were talking about what was going on that's great everything like that yeah and then it'd be like a time where like you'd be on like one character and they're waiting for this and then this other co- character like smirks at them and then you jump to there being like <laughs> I already did this thing <laughs> I'm smarter and you're like damn it mm-hmm. really did you give it a star rating five out of five five out sure. of five okay. yep five out of five yeah it sounded pretty impressive yeah. school's hard school's a hard one mm-hmm. um because like I said mine is not like directly school related like it felt more school related in the title than anything else anyways yeah. I did the institute by Stephen King which is one of his newer books I picked it up like right when it came out and I had started it a couple of times and I bought it on audio because I have a hard <laughs> time reading Stephen King I can listen to it but reading him is kind of a challenge for me He's very wordy He's so wordy. And then like, I got to the point, like in this book where I was like 50 pages in and I was like, nothing that is in the description of what this book is about has happened. And I was like getting frustrated and like pissed off that like, Mm. it wasn't anything like I expected. He, he picked it up. Don't get me wrong. I ended up being very invested in this book. Um, but I do struggle a little bit with Stephen King. So I did a combination of reading it and listening to it, but it's funny once I finally gave up on the book itself and turned on my audiobook. I had started the audiobook before, apparently. I don't remember, but I was literally (laughs) exactly where I had left off in the book. So apparently that was just like the point in which I would get frustrated with reading. like, Or creepily, somehow, Amazon knows where you were in your physical book. because That would be much more terrifying, Mm -hmm. um, but it is an explanation. Just, I mean, it's an option. Is it probable? No, but. But it's creepy and we can go with it. Um, anyways, so this book is divided into some sections, which is kind of cool. I, I want to say he does this with other books too, but like, you'll have like a section where it's like, this is the name of the section. And then there'll be like eight chapters or 10 chapters or whatever. And then it'll go to the next section. And then it starts again at chapter one. So like with the audio book, I would get oh. confused. It would be like, you're on chapter 149. I was like, no, it says 26, but yeah. Okay. It's just because of how he like divides it up into sections. Um, I think that way he kind of like has an idea of like what he's focusing on in that section, which mm-hmm. from a writing perspective makes a crap ton of sense. It's like, okay, this is the information that needs to go into this section to make the next section make sense. <laughs> so like, they're like, to me, they kind of feel like overarching like chapter names, considering how many different sections there are. Um, anyways, that's part of why I was so confused when I first started. So this book is... It starts with a person, a, a man named Tim. Wait, have who, you told us what book it is yet? Did you already? Yeah, I did. Us? The Institute by Stephen King. Okay, sorry. If I, I didn't, totally blanked it. I apologize, but I may have said that a while ago. Okay, my bad. Then. The Institute Continue. by Stephen King. <laughs> um, so the book kicks off with um the section called the Night Knocker, and it I this person like basically loops back around later in the book, which is why they bring it up at the beginning, and I kind of figured that might be the case, but it's still kind of annoying to like read like 50 some odd pages of someone who you have very little interaction with in the rest of the story um that was the annoying part so tim he is going to get on an airplane he's recently divorced and he just stopped being a cop he he killed somebody um while like on no he wasn't on duty he had like gone into a mall but he was still in uniform and they, someone asked for his, like some, someone came in with a gun and they needed his help. And even though he was off duty, he assisted and he ended up killing somebody and he was technically off duty, but he was in uniform and you're not supposed to do that. Like when you're off duty, you're supposed to take your uniform off. Um, so he had basically like 
they kind of just like let him go essentially from his last job because they were like well like it was technically a good like a good shot like you didn't do anything wrong but it was kind of a gray area because he violated some policies so he just is kind of looking to start over he's recently divorced as well um so I don't remember where he started honestly it doesn't even matter but he's planning on going to New York and so he goes to get on an airplane and they were like hey this flight is full like does anybody want to get off he's like sure I'll get off because they offer like a $400 voucher or whatever yeah he's like that's fine if I don't have a connecting flight and I'm not in a hurry why not yeah exactly he was like I'm not really like have any plans I just figured I would leave and so he took the money he was like I'll just rent a car and drive to New York so he starts driving and he ends up stopping in this town in South Carolina because he sees a posting at the local sheriff's office for a night knocker that so a night knocker apparently is something that isn't really a thing anymore but small towns will still do it I did not google this for authenticity but it's Stephen King he's usually pretty legitimate with like things like that yeah um so a night knocker is somebody who they're not actually a police officer. So like you don't get to carry a badge or a gun, but you work for the police force and you basically are like the nighttime patrol. So he literally only gets like a little like stopwatch timer that goes on his belt, but it's like one of those really old timey ones where it's just like, <laughs> just like the hand moves and then you stop it or whatever. And all he does is he walks like up and down the like main street of Dupre, South Carolina between the hours of 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. And he like makes sure drunks get home. Like if there's something suspicious going on in a house, he knocks on the door. That's what the night knocker does. All they do is knock. They can knock mm. and they can ask questions and they can inquire, but they can't do anything. So like there's dispatch too back at like the main like office. So he mm-hmm. can like report back to them if he actually needs someone with a badge and a gun. <laughs> um, so for the most part, like it's a pretty chill job, right? So Tim ends up deciding like, this is great. Like that's what his grandfather used to do, I guess, which is why the night knocker um, posting had drawn him in in the first place. Cause he's like, mm. well, like it's law enforcement, which I have experience in, but it's not like official law enforcement considering I was just asked to leave. Yeah. Um, so they basically, that first section is just like kind of setting up who Tim is, which to be fair is useful later on when he does get introduced to the rest of the story. But I guess I would call it more of an epilogue, even though technically it's part of the book itself or, or like not epilogue, prologue. like a, the preface. yeah prologue thank yeah Yeah. prologue thank you I was like epilogue is not correct um the part that comes first so it's basically that but the story itself outside of Tim the Night Knocker who comes in at the like the last like oh 50 no probably 100 pages it's a 540 page book it's really long (laughs) wow yeah it's really long it was an 18 and a half hour audio listen and I listened to it at 2.1 times speed oh damn so it doesn't help that the uh, narrator obviously spoke really slowly because I was like, there's no way it would take me that long to read it because by the time I started it, I was our, I started listening to it like seven hours and eight hours in. And I was like, I'm more than, I'm like almost halfway done. So anyways, so the main story is about essentially a secret government organization that tries, well, not tries, they do succeed at kidnapping children who are telekinetic and telepathic oh and using them to harness their power and enhance it and fight against people who they think in the future might commit crimes so there's like a precog (laughs) factor here basically where like i mean a lot of this is very broad obviously this is not how the story goes essentially luke ellis is the main character boy he's 12 years old and he's like a genius like super genius but not like in a way where he's like only focused on one subject you know how some people are like really genius in one subject but really lacking in other areas of their life this kid's not so like that's like one of the things that they like point out right up front it's like 
Luke Ellis is super genius. Like he can accomplish anything. Like he's learning like very advanced theories and physics and things from his teachers. He goes to the school for like gifted children called uh, the Broderick School for Gifted Children. Uh, they call it the Broad. Um, and he's looking to go to college. Basically at this point, like the Broderick School brings his parents in. Like that's how Luke kind of kicks off introducing himself is that his parents are brought in by the principal and the principal's like, we can't really help him anymore. And he knows it, but he has this plan and he's going to go to these two colleges. They're right across the river from each other. And he wants to major in this and this, like this kid is wild, but he also has like a raging social life too, where he has like, he's got good friends. He is the same kind of kid that you would invite to go play basketball. Like he's very good at skateboarding. Like he's a very classic 12 year old, except for the fact that he is a freaking genius. Mm -hmm. Um, so Luke is a very well-rounded boy, which I think is probably pretty vital to the rest of the story because they really need him in a lot of different areas. Um, so Luke basically thinks he's going to start this life, right? Where he and his parents are going to move so that he can go to two different colleges. I, I can't remember. They don't really matter. Um, good ones like MIT also, and something. So and also the take... fact that his parents are like, yeah, sure, we'll just uproot our lives. Yeah, basically they were like, all right, what does he got to do? Like, we're going to take the SATs, cool. And he gets like fifteen ninety or something on the SATs, something wild. Um, but he's twelve, so he's like doing all of this with a bunch of like eighteen year olds, right? And so he gets mm -hmm. treated a little bit differently, but like he's very emotionally mature um, for his age. So what happens though, is in the middle of the night, someone comes into Luke's house, murders his parents. This is literally like the 10 first, like, I don't know, 10 pages of Luke being in existence and kidnaps Luke and brings him to Maine. I don't know that like, we need to like start like their arc with like the death of parents. Like, can't we just like, I'm so tired of it. Not going to lie. Or can like... we just like be like, Hey, um, we have, we have noticed that he's super smart uh we have the super smart school for extra super smart people don't go to two colleges come to us and then it can be normal yeah but if you don't kill the parents someone will be looking for this child so That's basically true. the whole plan under this kidnapping guys so this team called ruby red which is consisting of uh one woman and two men come into his house in the middle of the night murder his parents take him and they're like well he's an incredibly gifted child so the police are just going to assume like other incredibly gifted childs do he just lost it like they're gonna just assume he killed his parents and it does happen i'm not saying it doesn't happen but it okay. seems like kind of a stretch for them to assume that that's what they're gonna think especially because this kid doesn't have any violent tendencies yeah and like once they're like asking his friends that he has and his previous teachers and stuff like and they're all gonna be like no <laughs> there's yeah. no way but yeah, so that's essentially the hope. And so they bring him to this place called the Institute. The Institute is that government facility <laughs> that tries to, that kidnaps children that have telekinetic powers. Um, so Luke's parents knew that he could move things with his mind, but apparently it was like only something that would happen when he was really upset. And they just kind of took it as something that was like something that happens when you have a very gifted child, right? Oh and yeah. Dad they used know their to tell experience. him. Right, exactly. And his dad used to tell him, like, that's not even the most interesting thing about you, considering how bright this kid is. Like, I get that, like, the fact that when he's upset, like, a pizza pan will move across the, the table isn't a big deal. Because it's not like he could, like, move cups and, like, all that kind of stuff. No, mm -hmm. he never really did it, like, intentionally. But it, it just would happened. with his frustrations. Yeah. Right. Like, like, cabinets would slam when he was mad or, like, that kind of thing. Like, little stuff, but, like, nothing major, right? Um, so, apparently, the Institute monitors babies supposedly and there is like a score that you get when you're very young like an infant it's kind of like how they do the apgar with um newborns where they like check your like how you grab right like your grip mm -hmm. 
but it's like one of those like very standard tests. It's called BDNF. I wrote it down because I was like, I'm not going to remember this. <laughs> it's a brain derived neurotropic factor. So it basically has to do with like how much of your brain you're accessing at the same time. If I'm correct, because like they say, most okay. people usually only use like 10% of their brain or something. So it like has to do with that. And like, so people who are BDNF are more likely to be TP, which is telepathic or TK, telekinetic. Mm-hmm. Um, so what the Institute does is they bring in those children. The Institute usually brings in children that are between the ages of 10 and 16. And over the years, so this, this program has been in effect for the last 70 years. Oh, wow. 70 years. Yeah, I know. Right. So like since the 1950s, um, over the years though, there are less and less children that have high BDNF scores. And so they are having less and less children at the Institute. So they used to at any given time have like hundreds of kids. Um, so when Luke gets there, there's only five, there's not very many. Um, so he starts to meet these other children and all of the kids are really pretty vital to the whole thing and I can't remember everyone's names but some of the main ones that he meets so the first person he meets is like Kalisha and so he he meets somebody who helps adapt him to this new uh, environment right and she kind of teaches him the ropes he gets to meet all the other kids some of them are a little older some a little younger Lucas 12 um, and I think at this point he's not the oldest but he's about mid-range they try not to bring in anybody younger than I think nine they said was the youngest they'd ever brought in so everybody at this point is over 10 years old but 16 is their cutoff because you can't control children right at mm. 16 they're that's physically I, large yeah that's what i was even when you said 16 i was like really at that's 16 that's yeah that has to be like a very specific kind and also why did why did they wait till 16 why didn't they take them at 12 right i think that too i was like if this is a score you get when they're infants like there must be other factors yeah. and so if you're you murdering really- their parents anyways you could just take them whenever Right. Yeah. So you don't really like know everything about how the Institute grabs people, but basically what the Institute does is they bring these kids in, they house them in rooms that look exactly like their own. So when Luke woke up, he was in a room that that was the replica of his room, but there's no window. So he was just like, wait a minute. Am I not home? Is this a dream? (laughs) What's happening? Yeah. I'm saying like, that's too creepy. You know too much about me. Right. And that's the thing. So like, they've obviously been watching them for a really long time. Um, So within the Institute, there's a few different types of kids. Obviously there are TPs versus TKs. And then there are people who are like TK pause, which means that on like at their own will, they can move an object. Like I, if I chose to, could pick up this glass and move it. Where a TK pink is like, it only happens in emotional situations, right? So he's a pink because it doesn't happen on, on command. Um, and so they basically do a bunch of testing on them. They tell the, the children that they are there because they've been recruited by their military to help serve in a mind war and that their particular skills are going to help serve their country is what they're told. And they tell them that, you know, you're going to, you're going to spend a few weeks here and then we're going to wipe your memory and you're going to go home with absolutely no memory of this. And if you do have any memories of it, it's like, it's a dream. It's like, it didn't really happen. And Luke, considering he's so smart, he's just like, how are you going to wipe the memories of my parents? Like, how are you going to wipe the memories of everybody who knew I was missing for this time? And, you know, most kids buy it. Most of the kids are just like, well, that's what they tell us. But they have, like, some suspicions, right? Like, obviously, these other children, like, they think that they, they know some things. One of the housekeepers, um, Maureen, is pretty detrimental to the whole story. She, um, like, 
she interacts with the children and she gets she gains their trust but she actually just reports back to the institute people i'm like of course she does Mm -hmm. no crap she does and so she's like told the kids that there are dead spots where the mics and the cameras can't hear them and it's not true so like she basically kind of lures them into that self sent like that self like whatever that sense of security that's what i was looking for and um So like there are a lot of different um, institute employees here. Most of them, I guess, are ex-military, usually because they just they're used to military life and their life is pretty rigid here at the institute. The children eat at a certain time. They have schedules in which they go down and deal with the doctors. There are lower levels, like basement levels, right? So like usually they go to like B and C, but Luke has no idea how deep they go. They tag all of these kids like in the ear with like a microchip like it's very intense so you know that there is front half and back half so like you start in front half and then you get moved to back half and the kids just know that like once you go to back half you're never seen again and they do all these weird experiments right but apparently all the like the work like the hard work is done in back half so the kids are like what the heck goes on in back half because in front half they're brought down to those lower levels and they do shots for dots so they give them these shots and they have them stare at this white wall and they have them just tell them whether or not they see like like spots they're basically trying to create some sort of like hive mind amongst all of these children, which is essentially like what this whole thing boils down to. And I don't want to go any further than that detail wise, but like they're basically trying to like cause them to have an episode with the shots that they give them. But they also have other shots where they shouldn't see dots because they're trying to prevent them from accessing power that they could overthrow the Institute with. Right. So all of the adults here are horribly corrupt and I hate it so much. And like, it's, <laughs> it's like physically frustrating, right? When you're just like watching these adults make all these decisions and they're like, no, this is for the best of the world. Like if we didn't sacrifice all of these children to kill other people with their weird hive mind, the world could have ended over 500 times by now. And it's like, but how do you know that? You can't predict the future. Like you can't predict something that's going to happen 10 years in advance. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's all very weird and all very like paramilitary. Um, basically what happens is the the housekeeper Maureen is, she's sick, she's dying of cancer. And so she decides like, fuck this, I'm gonna help these kids. And so she um, tells them like where they can go, where they can actually speak without um, being overheard. There's only one place that was actually true where they can't hear her like right by the ice machines. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I trust her though because she said that once before, so. Right, that's the thing. But here's the thing, these kids have TP. They are telepathic. They can tell, like, so some of them, I'm like gesturing at my head because that's how it made the most sense to me. So they're talking <laughs> about like how how deep that kids can go. So like most of the time, kids can't go any more than surface deep. So like if you asked me a question and I thought of the answer, you could see that, but you couldn't see like the deeper thought that goes into that or the other ideas or thoughts that I have. Mm. But as they're giving these kids these shots, Luke lies about being able to read people's minds. So they're like giving these weird tests. They're like, what card am I holding up? But they're looking at the card, right? He only sees the back of it. And he was Mm -hmm. like, I knew what it was, but I didn't want them to know that. Um, Because I guess it's like pretty rare that they actually were able to like use this like shot situation. And they also do immersion tanks where they just like take these children and shove them underwater for five minutes. And they're like, good luck. Um, Because they're trying to like instigate powers, right? Um, Luke's just basically too smart. He broke the Institute system. So like Maureen helps them come up with a plan and how they're going to try to escape. And it, and it becomes this whole, like, like, where does it end mm-hmm. thing? Right. Like they're chasing after this child, but like, he's obviously going to interact with other humans. Um, and he's, 
he's a genius. Like no one was prepared for this. Everyone was pretty complacent, like all the employees and their jobs. Like they were just like hanging out with their little zap sticks, getting these kids like drunk. That's what they were doing to keep kids complacent is they had these machines. So like they would hand out tokens when you were good. But if you're bad, you basically get like hit with a zap stick, which is like a cattle prod mm-hmm. and or slapped. Like that's essentially what it was. Like there was physical abuse in order to keep kids in line because kids usually well, I wasn't going to say they respond to that, but like, they're going to listen because no one wants to be hit again. Well, yeah. And if these tokens give me something good, I mean, it's like, that's literally psychology shit, right? Like, right. I don't want to get hit. So I'll probably stop doing whatever it is to get hit. Like, that's just. Exactly. And they have these vending machines that that dole out smokes and alcohol, but like the little tiny alcohol bottles that you can get on the airplane, because Mm -hmm. that way kids can't get like drunk because each little bottle is like three tokens and they don't let anyone like stock up that many tokens. Like they're careful with them. But like, they just like keep these kids here to put them to back half and no one knows what back half is. And I definitely can't tell you because it becomes like this whole huge big deal. But like in back half, like there's like always like this like quiet hum underneath that like even apparently the staff start to go crazy. And it has to do with that hive mind, right? That I'm talking about where like these kids all hear it and everyone's got a constant migraine. But one of the things about having like a high BDNF score is that you don't get headaches. Like you are above it. Like you, Hmm. you don't get them. And so like the staff has to be rotated out every four months, they get like four months on and four months off because it's so bad that it'll start to impact like their ability to think. And like, they have these two doctors that they call, um, I think like Jacqueline Hyde or something like that (laughs) because they've just lost it. Like Mm -hmm. they've been there for so long because there's only two doctors, they can't cycle in and out. So this whole place is super wild. Um, it's very government conspiracy. Like I said, Luke does later encounter the night knocker and I really like their relationship. And I love how like fiercely this small town that has no idea who this boy is defends him. Like even like the homeless lady who's like hardcore into conspiracies is like very sweet. And she's like all on board. She's like, no, I told you the freaking government. And she's just like, here for it. <laughs> because it's like not even like technically directly government. It's like it's like secret, secret government, right? Mm-hmm. So like, they don't actually like drive black vans. They don't have all that same clearance. She just has like the main lady, Mrs. Sigsby, who's like the principal, I guess, of the Institute, like the one who's in charge. Like if you went to the principal's office, she's who you go see. Like she just has like a phone where like, if shit goes awry, she just has to call the number on the phone to the man with the list. And like, he's supposed to be her boss, but otherwise no one ever sees him. So like, even with Luke missing and like them trying to find him and like the Institute falling apart, she's like, don't call the man with a lisp. I got this. Like <laughs> I admire her confidence. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I ended up getting like very, very invested in this book by the end, especially re- listening to it. I really think I enjoyed listening to Stephen King more than reading him just because of how wordy he is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, why did you take six chapters to get to that point? Um, but yeah, as a whole, I really enjoyed this book and it's sort of school adjacent. Sure. I mean, the Institute is kind of school. I looked it up and it was like, yeah, it's like about a school. Well, he actually says it too in the description, which is one of the other reasons. Um, but I guess someone being vague on the internet was like, yeah, it's kind of about a school. But like the description says that like one, one of the quotes that Luke says is it says it's like a, like a prison for children. So mm-hmm. I was like, it's like a school prison kind yeah. of, cause they're trying to teach them things. Like I said, it's very loosely school-based, but when I went through my my list of things that I had um, already purchased, this was yeah. on there. If it's the theme, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, well, out of five. Out of five, what do you give? Mm. I give it like a four and a half. And only missing that half because I was so annoyed that the night knocker was at the beginning there. And I was just 
I just wanted to know what was going to happen. I, I feel was like, like bring yeah. in Luke. I feel like he's done that in other books where yeah, you're starting it and like the first couple chapters, you're like, I don't care. Get like to the said, point. It, it makes sense like when they bring him back in later because I have yeah. all this background about this person that ends up being really important in Luke's ability to resolve whatever journey they've yeah. got going on. And it makes but, sense to do it then versus being like, okay, now let me like teach you all about this person all of a sudden. But but set it up as a prologue like you know what I mean like do it in a different manner maybe maybe if it had said prologue and it was very clearly like distinctive I don't think he does that though like I've definitely read other books where yeah he just like is like hello welcome to the book here's this random thing uh you don't need to worry about it for 452 pages bye you're like thanks Steph King yeah but it was irritating although I understood the purpose but it was still irritating yeah well good I, I think I have that one on audible too maybe I'll have to check it out it was a really good listen, although the guy does speak really slowly. So even if I wasn't trying to get through it very quickly, I still would probably listen to it at 1.5. Yeah, which is fair. I had listened pretty fast on most of them, I think, anyways. Uh, what's our next topic? Sci-fi, I think. We're finally doing I think, think sci-fi is next, yeah. I don't think we've ever actually covered science fiction. We've done, like, ones that are, but not as a full topic. So that'll be next. So be sure to come back check that out uh social media if you want to get in touch is twitter iipyb underscore pod and instagram is isn't it past your bedtime you can check out our website isn't it past your bedtime.com to see what's coming up next and what we've talked about in the past in our archive yeah but i think that's all we got so rate review subscribe all those things you know we super appreciate it and we'll talk it everyone in two weeks bye everyone bye